Welcome to the DJE Podcast, where you will learn about real estate investing from real life examples. Here's your host, Devin Elder. Hello, hello. Welcome. Today on the show, we have Jenny Gu. She's got a great story. They've built a tremendous multifamily portfolio in a relatively short time. She left her corporate job right at the beginning of 2020 when uh, COVID was right around the corner, but they had a great plan. They had great mentors, a great team. And the punchline is that they're able to acquire millions of dollars of multifamily in multiple markets in a relatively short time and build a great brand and company around that. So they're, they're helping investors, they're building the team. They've also, they're now getting into uh, coaching and helping others do the same. Um, so they're doing deals in, in the Arizona and Texas markets, but it, it's an inspiring story. And I, I love when somebody's got a successful life, they've got a corporate job, maybe that's doing really well, and they make the intentional transition to entrepreneurship. And, and Jenny and her team have really hit the ground running. You can tell she's passionate about what she does and their, their success to date um, uh, kind of proves that. So it was a lot of fun, uh, a lot of pointers in there for you, for those of you that are listening that maybe want to take the reins, leave your corporate job, some do's and don'ts and uh, what they've learned along the way, but mostly just, she's kind of got this contagious passion about what she's doing. And that's one of my favorite things about this business is that um, it can, it can give smart, capable people an avenue to go do really big things, which they're doing. So we had a good conversation. I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we jump in, some housekeeping. If you are listening and would like to be on the DJE investor list to see projects we're doing in San Antonio and in and around Central Texas, you can just go to the website, djetexas.com, like Delta Juliet Echo Texas.com. Schedule a call with our team or request access, and we'll, uh, we'll take care of you there. We can share case studies. You can get to, to meet our team, all that fun stuff. And then if you're looking to take the reins as an operator and go big and do your own deals, we've got a free course that uh, I put together for you at apartmenteducators.com. And this is a, a small community of, of operators and folks that we coach into doing their own deals. And so my business partner and I started that company and we've really enjoyed helping people get into their own deals and have their own aha moments. So check out apartmenteducators.com if you want to go down that path. Okay. Without any further ado, let's jump in and talk to Jenny. Here we go. Jenny, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And I can't wait to, to dive in and unpack some of your story here in the uh, real estate investing space. Before we do that and start talking about what you guys are buying and markets and, and assets and things like that, um, let's kind of start at the beginning with your, your background. And I'm always curious to know, um, I, I love when people shift gears, because this is my story and lots of other people's story, after having a career, right? After doing something else, not necessarily growing up with it, but shifting gears, maybe from a professional background to real estate, and then really having a lot of success with it. I love that story. So what's, what happened for you? What, what was your background and what made you come over to the dark side here? Sure. Yeah. You know, I, um, currently I'm a full-time real estate investor and syndicator, uh, but prior to this life, I actually spent 13 years working in corporate America. 
at a company called Procter & Gamble. So I was a sales director there, managed some of our sales strategies for some a few of our billion-dollar brands, um, launched in initiatives, managed people, all of that stuff. Loved what I did, uh, but didn't exactly uh, have the flexibility that I wanted in my yep. life. And yep. Um, you know, right when we were living in Cincinnati at that time, we had started to invest in single family, just like I'm sure many of your other listeners out there, we started the single family route, accumulated a portfolio of 10 single family homes, and just really wanted to accelerate that journey and started learning about multifamily. Right. And then coincidentally, we had moved to uh, LA about over two years ago. Mm -hmm. And that's when I decided to leave my corporate job to pursue multifamily full-time. And so at this point, it was February of 2020. Didn't have a single multifamily door under my belt yet, but believed in the model so much that I jump shipped and then dove headfirst into this industry. And even despite COVID and all things that transpired last year, within a year, I was able to accumulate almost a thousand doors, um, both passively and as a GP. And so I like to say, if I can do that during a crazy year, like everybody else, anybody can do it. So I love it. Well, that's a very abbreviated version, I'm sure, but I appreciate the, the overview. Um, when exactly did you, did you jump on the corporate job? Was that like January, 2020? February of 2020, February, 2020. Mm -hmm. And then March, <laughs> pretty crazy timing. I, I'm sure you were second guessing yourself, uh, you know, six weeks after you left probably a cushy corporate job that you'd been at for a long time. And then, and then COVID kind of comes out of left field, right? It, it absolutely did. And everything, as you guys remember, shut down. Yeah. Um, my kids were then homeschooled. So my days were definitely different than what I had pictured it to be, uh, sure. leaving corporate America, but you know what? It's what you make of it. You make the most of your time. It. How do you um, change your mindset, use the resources that you have at that given moment and do what you got to do? I love it. I think so much of this, uh, of anything, I guess, in life is your the way you frame it for yourself. And I think it's really easy to frame things in a disempowering way. And it's almost just as easy to frame things in an empowering way. And it's, it's almost like it doesn't matter. Your brain doesn't really care it. But once you set the framework for something, then, then you're going to follow through based on that framework. So I love that. It's what you make it. And um, what an, what an interesting year, but um, it sounds like it didn't, it didn't stop you. Right. Which is um, kind of the difference maker between people that have a lot of success in this business and those that don't get started or, or don't take it very far is um, just perseverance. You know, it's not a lot of fun to hear that, but that's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the main ingredient. A lot of the times is just keep on going. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So what, was there an, uh, a period in your corporate career that was a catalyst for you? Like, I, I can't do this anymore. Or was it just kind of a gradual education around real estate to say, oh, wow, we're kind of connecting the dots. We could make this a big thing over time. It was a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. uh, both I actually met my husband at PNG. Um, mm -hmm. We were interns together, so nobody reported to anybody. Just to be clear, <laughs> right? Um, so you know, both of our retirements and really all of our savings was tied up in PNG stock. Sure. Right. So we on one route we wanted to diversify. Of course, we didn't want to be tied to just one route of retirement. So we 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 looked into real estate as a means to diversify our portfolio. Right. 
And then concurrently, you know, we both had high stress, high travel jobs in this space. And when we had moved to LA, we both actually needed to travel even more because our jobs were remote. Um, And so that probably was the biggest catalyst in terms of, you know what, we are not spending our lives the way we planned it to be. We wanted to be more flexible, wanted the kids to have more time with us. Um, And so that was a catalyst, just deciding that we wanted to really design more of our lives versus having it be such a default, like the traditional nine to five job that most of us are part of these days. Yeah, that's absolutely the truth. I remember thinking when I was in the corporate world that I, I just didn't want to be one of those guys that was traveling more than half half the month, you know, and and had a young family. And that was a real driver for me as well. And your free time really is your ultimate wealth. Uh, obviously, we need money to function and to to pursue our dreams. But that's kind of the final layer, I think, is having control over your time, which is real tough to do in a W-2 environment, right? Absolutely. And that's the thing we, you know, we're passionate about helping others to learn themselves because we want to, you know, we wish somebody taught us this 10, 15 years ago. Absolutely. Um, And so we spend a lot of our time talking to our friends and family, telling them, you know, they wonder, Hey, Jenny, what, what are you doing? You you left such a good paying job. Well, my husband just left his W2 job as well to join us. So we're both fully retired and we want to spread that knowledge Um, and I'm sure a a much smarter person than, than I came up with this quote, but we want to live our lives by design and not default. And so if we can enable others to do the same, that's what we want to spend more of our time doing. Oh, I love it. That resonates with me so much. There was a period in my mid thirties where I kind of just took over this, um, mantra that every day moving forward needed to be a good last day. If this was it, Mm -hmm. which I hope it's not, I hope I got a, a bunch more, but we don't know. Right. And it really changed my life. Um, building everything around that framework. Is this a good last day? I mean, am I, you know, you're going to have your good days and bad days, but in general, you're going to have big regrets about not spending time with your kids or doing different things. And that, that completely changed the way I structured my life, having that approach. But it's one thing to think about that or, or dream. It's another to have a, a real vehicle that can deliver that it's, it's, you have to have the vehicle because you can't just uh, you can't just want those things and work and then go back and work a 65 hour week job. Right. Right. It doesn't magically appear. <laughs> that's for yeah, sure. That's right. That's right. Um, so how long was it before your husband also jumped in that? Cause that's, that's quite noteworthy um, to have a, you know, a two income household like that with good jobs and to both be able to make the transition in a pretty consolidated time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely plan for it. <laughs> Don't sure. just jump ship. Um, you know, yeah, we, um, so when I left last February of 20, um, you know, we had planned for Ronnie to stay as long as he still loved and enjoyed and was still growing in his work. And so that was happening. Um, so he likes to tell people, you know, he wasn't running away from anything. He was actually running towards something much bigger for him. Love it. Yep. Um, and so, cause I, what I said was, look, our, our company. So I started Vertical Street earlier this year with my formerly mentor, now partner, Steve Louie. Mm-hmm. And I said, look, we are growing really fast. I can either go hire somebody to help us because we're, you know, Steve and I are bootstrapping, right? We're essentially a startup sure. or you can leave and come work with us and we can really knock this out of the park. Yeah. And so to him, that was kind of a no brainer, um, to one work with his 
wife, of course, but then also, you know, help start something and, and expand on something much bigger. Yeah, that's that's great. I love that that uh, aspect of running to something. And there's really kind of no excitement like being an entrepreneur. Obviously, there's ups and downs that are can be incredibly high and incredibly low, but it's exciting. You know, it's 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 taking your destiny into your hands and and um, going out and making it happen. There's something extremely rewarding about that. I think for the right personality type, because it's it's a ride. Absolutely. It's a ride. You mentioned 10 houses earlier. I always kind of chuckle about that. I it's like everybody has this idea, you know, we're going to get into single family, buy some rentals. It's the same thing I did. I want to get 10 rentals and you go out and do it. And then you go, ah, I really don't want 20 or 30 of these. Like you run into some, uh, some issues. What was the catalyst for the transition to multifamily? Was it a conference or a book, or you mentioned a mentor? What, what, what was that transition like for you guys? Yeah. And the reason that we stopped at that magical number of 10 is if you think about it from an individual standpoint, the government mm -hmm. maxes your, your loans at 10. Right. right? And so, right. Yep. And I'm sharing a lot of info because I want to make sure people fully understand this is that you can sign on 10 loans. And then our next strategy was to have me sign on 10 loans, right? right. Just to build on that portfolio. Yep. But really at that point, we say, gosh, there's got to be, then what? You max out 20 homes and then what? Right. Um, so we wanted to just find a way to scale faster. And again, concurrently, we just met the right people at the right time. Um, we lived in Cincinnati. So we went to a Joe Fairless meetup sure. in Cincinnati and then just, you know, boom, light bulb went off. And we said, absolutely, this is, we need to pivot and multifamily is the way to go. I love it. How many people has Joe Fairless influenced or uh, turned on to the path, right? It's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And it's funny too. I think a lot about as a principal and a sponsor, the financing is like, it's no joke, more work. If I want to go refi one of my rental houses, like I, yeah. I, I dread it when I need to refi it uh, a single family house for 250 K it's literally easier to go buy a $15 million apartment complex from, from like a paperwork perspective, which yeah. that's one of the reasons we've grown <laughs> our portfolio. It's like, I'd rather just, I'd rather do these big projects. I feel like it's uh, um, almost less brain damage on the, on the loan <laughs> side, which is, which is interesting because they're huge and complex, but yeah. uh, I would rather do paperwork on a, on a $15 million loan than, than refinance, you know, one Absolutely. single family house. And, that, and that's true, Devin, for a large multifamily versus a small. And, and yeah. we've done everything. We, okay. um, I, we just closed on a 252 unit property. Congratulations. Yesterday. Fantastic. And what market was that in? That was in Arlington, Texas. Yeah. yeah I love, I love Arlington. There's it, there's so much going on and it just DFW yeah. there and uh, oh my gosh. Call it? Jerry world. Well, I was yes. up there for a old capital conference a few weeks back and it's just so impressive with a cowboy stadium there and, and everything. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's actually just three miles from the cowboy stadium. Oh, so excellent. Yeah. That. That's there's so much going on there. Congratulations mm -hmm. on that. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about that asset? You know, vintage, you mentioned the size. What was it like deeply distressed or kind of a light value add? Or what what was yeah, the game plan there? Absolutely. So it's a 252 unit property in Arlington. Um, you know, it's a I would call it a class B minus. Um, even C plus just because of the age, it's mm -hmm. a 68 vintage, sure. but the bones were very strong. So not a ton of exterior work needs to be done, oh, good. but 
our largest opportunity is just uh, property management, right? I think the owners had it for a few, quite a few years. Um, Even when I was doing the inspection and due diligence, you could tell there's just so much opportunity in just how we manage the property um, to get folks, the residents happier and um, all the deferred maintenance taken care of. Um, but really, it's it's our value add model that we we know and, and do very well. Buying a B B minus property, upgrading it to make it nicer, cleaner, safer, and then improving the resident uh, profile and quality in the community. Um, Five year hold, and and you know we look to refi or sell after that time frame. So very standard sure. um, for that for that playbook. Yep. Yep. I love it. So that's Arlington, which you know I, we're in Texas. We love Texas. That's great. What's your strategy on market selection? Is it one market? Is it many? How did, how did you guys, uh, how do you guys approach that? We are actually predominantly in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So um, between Steve and I um, at Vertical, we have nine properties in the Phoenix and Tucson area. Excellent. Um, we are expanding into Texas as a GP team just to one broaden our scope. Uh, but I will tell you, Arizona still has a ton of opportunity Um, It consistently is a top three market for population growth, job growth, uh, low rent growth, right? I mean, I've some of the rent rent growth growth. numbers I've seen out of Phoenix are eye popping. Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, Double digits. So the last try I was just talking, we were at a mastermind with Charlie Young and Michael Becker, and we were talking about all the different cities and Phoenix, he popped up a graph 23% rent growth over the last year. I mean, wow. Phenomenal. Incredible. Um, and still, I mean, the, the sky is still the limit there because of the population growth. So we're very right. excited about the Arizona market still. In fact, we have four other deals um, under contract right now and they're 506C, so I can talk about them. But, sure. um, but yeah, there, it, my point is there's still so much room to grow in that market. Um, and then also in Tucson, because uh, all that growth is, is traveling down south to Tucson, given how hot Phoenix is. Yeah, they're they're seeing a, a halo effect from mm-hmm. from Phoenix, right? Yep, absolutely. I love it. So you guys are um, have expanded. You've built the team. You're in multiple markets. How do you approach um, your acquisitions and I guess broker relationships? Right, if you don't have twenty year established broker relationships and you've really kind of broken into the business, gone full time, clearly you're taking down deals. Was it hard to um, to be taken seriously by brokers on these, on these larger projects or what was, you know, what's been your experience there? You know, when I, uh, it is one in any competitive market, absolutely challenging to get your foot in the door. Sure. The best strategy or the best recommendation I would have for folks starting is to find yourself a mentor in that market. Right. So when I started last year, extremely green, I met Steve first. Um, He became my mentor. I just left corporate America. He was still working full time and I offered my services to help him manage his property free of charge. I essentially said, can I please intern for you (laughs) just to learn the ropes? And for him, it was a win-win to have somebody with a huge corporate background to help him manage his properties, alleviates a lot of his time and effort as well. So that was a win-win. And while I'm helping him manage his properties, I'm also still underwriting and calling brokers. So guess what? I was able to name drop and say, Hey, I'm partnering with my 
partner, Steve Louie, who had an established relationship in the market already. So instantly you have credibility with somebody established who you are leveraging to get and find more deals. Okay. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's the, that's the name of the game. You stand on somebody's shoulders. that has gone mm-hmm. before you and you make it a win-win scenario, right? He he's, you're working for him. You're partnering on deals. He's maybe doing more deals because of you. Uh, it's a total win for him. I'm, I'm going to imagine. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing. A lot of people, we tell folks, go find yourself a mentor, but there's an, there's an art <laughs> to finding a mentor because the last thing you want to do is go up to somebody who's well-established and say, Hey, can you please be my mentor? And right. that's it. Right. So you have to approach it the right way, find out what their gap is, what do they need help with, and then add value before you start asking for help. And that's the thing people miss when they go and search for a mentor. That is such a great takeaway. I, I love it. It is tricky too, because somebody that's successful is mm-hmm. maybe busy, mm-hmm. which is, uh, or maybe they, you know, they block their time. Maybe they're busy when they want to work. And when they don't want to work, they, they don't want to, they, they don't want to work. You know, if they want to go on vacation or play golf on Mondays or whatever, um, you know, that's their, that's their prerogative. And when they are working they're they're busy. So it is, it is difficult. We struggle with that too, where it's, you know, people want to help out, but it's like, well, if, if you don't have a skill set to bring here or something to bring to the table, it's very, it's very one-sided and somebody busy that's, that's successful and has a portfolio um, can't do that a lot of times. So kudos to you for finding a way to make that work and to add value first. I think that's a big um, part of this industry and breaking into it is finding a way to add value first. You guys now are doing coaching, mentoring, you have a program. Tell me about that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, uh, I think mentors, I've had many mentors throughout my lifetime, both at PNG and now in this industry, and they are absolutely critical to accelerate what you want to do and get there faster. Agree. Yeah. Um, so since we've started the company and over the last 18 months, we've met a ton of people who have also wanted to get into the Arizona market because it's such a great market with a ton of opportunity, but yet it's so challenging because of everything that I just mentioned above. Right. And so unfortunately, I wish I had 40 hours in one day to coach and mentor as many people as I can. It's right. just not possible. And so what Steve and I decided is how do we, again, we brainstormed the strategy to how do we impact as many people as possible in a scalable and sustainable way. And so we launched our own coaching program roughly in late July, early August. Um, And, you know, it's been tremendous. We've had tremendous feedback so far, a group of right now, it's a small group of students working their way into the Arizona market. And we've been able to teach them step-by-step tactics Um, But thinking larger term too, helping them with their vision and their goals um, and their magical time that they can actually leave their W-2 job as well. And and again, overall, super exciting feedback. And we've already helped two of our students secure deals in the market, which has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. It's one thing to teach the content or walk somebody through it. It's really something special when you can have that much of a knowledge transfer that one of your students actually closes their own deal. That's like the, you know, full circle at that point. Right. 
Absolutely. And it's nothing is a better compliment than the success of the people you teach, right? 100%. Yep. And so I'm nothing but proud of what they've done so far because it's been such a short amount of time and they are just off the ground running, which has been amazing to see. That's exciting. What do you like coaching better? Or do you like chasing deals better? Ah, that's such a hard question. Hard, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, um, that's really hard. I love the action of taking down deals and yep. I love seeing, I'm very, my, my strength and my superpower is the asset management side. So I love just seeing the business plan and, and seeing and executing it through. Um, so that drives me a ton. Um, but I also have a huge passion to help others find their, their, their definition of success through real estate. So I don't, I love my kids equally. I'll put it that way. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. There's this real feeling that uh, you know I get this sense from you, and I certainly had this. Of, I mean, gosh, in my 30s, you know, when I, when I started all this, like, hey, nobody nobody told me about this. Like, mm -hmm. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of smart people over my life, and nobody told me this was on the menu, right? It, it took me kind of seeking it out. And so I love seeing the light bulb go off for people uh, when they have that aha moment, if I can be the conduit for, for seeing that happen for them and they go on and, and you, you know, the ability to change your life uh, in some meaningful ways that is not um, accessible through a lot of other avenues. That that's, that's really rewarding and exciting. Um the asset management piece, you know, I would call that like the work of the deal. I mean, we, we all talk a lot about acquisitions and raising capital and all that stuff's really exciting and it's necessary. Um, it's kind of a lot of hoopla to get to the starting line, right? I mean, closing a yeah. deal is yeehaw. Now the, now the five-year uh, trek up the mountain begins. Did what is it about the asset management side? Was it your corporate background and and you know kind of managing people? Uh, you know what what drew you to the to the asset management piece and what do you what do you like about it? Yeah, I think you're right. It's my experience and background in sure. what I did before. Um, I mean, I we set sales strategies, national sales strategies for some of our brands and manage teams across the country and all mm -hmm. of those, that skill set transferred very easily into real estate. So really, you know, all I learned was the lingo and right. vernacular, like it, it's, it's not rocket science, but the skill set um, was very easy to go over to real estate. So same thing, right? You're managing a team, your mm -hmm. property manager, your lenders, your brokers, your, all of that is a team, your investors, um, so that, that was a natural flow. And then from a project management standpoint, I mean, I launched multi-million dollar initiatives for PNG. Same thing. I'm launching a business plan for an apartment building, right. With, with budgets and dates and gates and timelines and owners. So it's, it's an, it was a natural fit for me and I just happened to also enjoy it a lot. So it was a, it was a good, uh, fit for, for all parties. I love it. Yeah. That project management component is, is just vital to these deals. We do all our underwriting and make these forward looking assumptions, but the rubber meets the road with, with asset management. So that's, that's important. I kind of chuckle. I, I worked in, uh, in it and tech for, for a period of my corporate life. And, um, I kind of chuckle that now, you know, my concerns are like drywall and, uh, <laughs> you know, very light construction and, it's like the simplest business model compared to 
what's happening in, on, on some more, you know, cutting edge tech stuff. It's, it's almost kind of comical how um, simple some of the pieces are um, compared to maybe some of our past corporate jobs. So that's, that's interesting. Well, what do you guys see Jenny for, for the future? I mean, you've got a lot of momentum coming out and, and a lot of free time and energy now that you've shed the jobs and it, it clearly, you can see that in, in how you're growing the business. What do you guys see for the, for the next year and, and beyond? And are you, are you going to go at it hard for a few years and then be more passive or, or is this something you envision doing, you know, for decades? What, where are you guys at with that, with that piece of it? Yeah, it's actually such a moving target for us. And yes. arguably yes. I would say I'm probably working more hours now <laughs> than I was before, Sure, but I control that, those hours and right. I control how and when I spend them and where. Um, so that's a, a big key component that's different. Um, you know, from a, where do I see this company? I, when we started vertical street in January this year, we had a goal of acquiring 25 million in assets, Okay, right? We're Over on what track time horizon? Uh, for this year, for year oh, one. For the year. Great. We are on track to close 90 million by the oh, end of goodness. this calendar year. So that's why I say it's a moving target because at any given moment we said, okay, we're going to pause and slow down. We're going to close on 90 million. We launched an academy this year. We're in the middle of writing a book. We have a monthly meetup. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 I, I don't know. My answer is I don't know because it right. just evolves, but it evolves for the better. Next year, my goal is to double what we did this year in acquisitions sure. and expand our program to something bigger so we can touch more lives. Um, so ask me again in a year <laughs> what, what our vision is because um, it's an ever moving target. I love it. It was really kind of an unfair question. I we're the same way. You know, I set an annual target on a calendar year for, you know, capital raised and basically assets, uh, doors acquired, mm -hmm. but gosh, I go out much past a year, three years, five years. And it's like, you know, if I go, if I look back five years, I never could have imagined we'd be where we are. So I feel like forecasting too far in the future. My, my kind of guiding light is I want to be enjoying what I do every day. And if, mm -hmm. if that's not happening, I'm going to hire somebody or change something so that I'm continuing to enjoy myself. So, you know, if we can keep doing deals and I continue to enjoy myself, that feels pretty, pretty sustainable, but it's real hard to put a number yeah. on it, it too many is. years in the future. Yeah. And you hit it on the head, Devin. I think a lot of people, it, it's good to have a goal and, you know, your vision for the future, but more importantly, it's the journey and the process to get there because, because once you hit your goal, then it's like, all right, well now what, you know, so you have right. to enjoy what you're doing. And the second you stop loving what you're doing, then you need to get out or move on. Yeah. hundred percent. It's a crazy thing. Cause you can stack up a tremendous amount of equity in this business and, um, I've had conversations with very successful people that have been at a little while and it's not, it's not trying to just be sitting on a huge stack of coins and, and that's it. You really have to enjoy that process as cliche as that is, but um, you've talked a lot about it in this interview and it's helping other people along the way is pretty, pretty freaking exciting and rewarding too. And so it sounds like you guys kind of have all cylinders fire, firing there with, the education piece, helping people along, growing your own net worth and wealth, having something you're engaged in, obviously giving your investors a vehicle that, um, I mean, really frankly can, can blow the doors off what a lot of people are doing for their, 
for their idle capital. So it's just kind of a kind of a win all the way around. And when you can structure something like that, uh, you you keep doing more, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, if somebody wants to connect with you, learn more about the book, about you, what you guys are buying, all that stuff, what's a good avenue for that, Jenny? Sure. We're on all uh, social media vehicles, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, but if you want to learn more about us or set up time with myself or my partner, Steve, you can go to verticalstreetventures.com um, and get on our calendar. Outstanding. We'll link to verticalstreetventures.com in the show notes. You can click through on this episode and connect with Jenny and the team. Thank you. I, I'm inspired by your story. I wish you guys continued success and let's uh, let's sync up again this time next year and, and see you know where you're at and what, what the goals are. I'd love to check back in with you. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. Hope you found that educational, entertaining, inspiring, all of the above. If you are interested in seeing future DJE investment projects, and you are not already on our list and in our portal, uh, you can go to the website, djetexas.com. There's a little button there to schedule a 15-minute call with our team, answer any questions you have, and make sure you get on that list to see that next project that comes out. Also, if you're interested in being uh, an investor that runs these deals, we've got a free seven-module course for you at apartmenteducators.com. Uh, a lot of great free content there to ramp up your education in the multifamily investing space. Once again, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We always appreciate a five-star review that helps the reach of the show. That's one way you can give back if you enjoyed it. And we'll see you on the next one. Take care. Thank you for listening to the DJE podcast. For more information, please go to djetexas.com.